You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. Hello, AfterBuzzers. Bing is for doing, and we're here doing another AfterBuzz TV after show for MTV's Teen Wolf, Season 3, Episode 5, Frayed. I'm your host, Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and sitting next to me this evening, Sarah Stratton, another AfterBuzz TV host. Hi, and everybody. across the table, we our first special guest this evening has played guitar for and toured with artists such as Destiny's Child, Josh Groban, The Calling. He's scored commercials for Toyota and Samsung. He was the music producer on MTV's Taking the Stage and now composer for Teen Wolf. Please welcome Dino Menigan. And our next special guest this evening was the music coordinator on The Hills, Runs House, Shark Tale, and 500 Days of Summer, which I loved, music supervisor on The City, Taking the Stage, and the 2012 MTV Movie Awards, and currently the music supervisor on MTV's Teen Wolf. Please welcome Laura Webb. (laughs) Yay. Yay! Welcome, welcome, guys. <laughs> so happy you guys could join us this evening. The fans have requested your presence. They're downloading the soundtrack. They're loving the composing this season. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thanks for having us. Happy Tuesdays. No, I'm excited to talk about this episode today. I'm so excited you guys are here, especially because over the past couple weeks, the music is always coming up in our conversations mm-hmm. and okay. people are always bringing up and that's such an applause to you guys so thank, oh, thank you, you for adding <laughs> thanks um, so the episode's titled frayed which like the episode the structure it's ripped apart and so that is what uh the editors told me the episode title meant so thank you Corey and greg the assistant editors and this layer was, uh, the episode was like layered with flashbacks, but I'm going to attempt to talk about it in order because I think if I do it out of order, the viewers won't find it as unique as right. they found it the episode to be. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start talking about the alpha battle because that's o- over the entire episode, we get snapshots of that. So um, let's start with we get the aftermath before we get the battle. But um, Peter and Derek came up with this preemptive plan to make a strike on the Alphas and enlist Scott's help. And um, the default plan Scott's mad about because it's always about killing somebody. And they were saying, Peter said, that the plan this time is just to kill Deucalion and cut off the snake's head. But then they were talking about how when Hercules cut off the head of the Hydro, two more grew back in its place. And there was never supposed to be a battle. They were just supposed to kill Deucalion. That's what this episode was, just supposed to kill Deucalion. I mean, I love that didn't happen. Yeah, I love that analogy. (laughs) Just them bringing up the Hydra, Um, because to me it was just foreshadowing that as much as you expect one thing to happen, 
you you have to expect the unexpected. Right. Um, and this obviously happens when Scott's plan to, you know, meet and talk it out just falls to pieces. And everyone besides Scott is, like, in the know that they're all going to fight anyways. Um, although we're going out of order, I do have to say that I was so surprised by this, like, the first section of this. I was like... Did I skip an episode? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what's going on? I was so confused. Like, I, for the, yeah, it takes the first a minute three to minutes, get into I it. I almost went back and was like, I need to rewatch last week again because I'm missing something. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be missing something. It's all good. <laughs> I like that, that aspect know. of the episode. But it, like, it keeps you on your toes. And I think they did a good job, like, you know, slowly leading up and building that mm-hmm. suspense. And especially with, you could tell they were talking about it being a ticking time bomb, so it's obviously something big. And you get these little realizations throughout the episode about what happened or who they think is dead. And then you also get these other realizations that everybody's wrong all the time. (laughs) Lots of layers. But um, (laughs) Isaac won't let Scott eat Mexican alone because Mexican food clearly means party. Right. <laughs> but it appears that this Mexican restaurant has closed since the last time they were there, and they find themselves in an abandoned mall. As right? they do. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone followed Scott to talk to Deucalion. Unfortunately, Deucalion brought his pack with as well, and we get this amazing composing of the battle scene. Can you talk about that for a moment and, and what that's like in getting that together? Because we just have no idea how to even Are you begin. talking about the flashback? Back slow mo version. Well, we, or they were the full version. The way we structured the episode, it was in the flashback. So there mm-hmm. was there was a flashback theme that would come back mm-hmm. and that developed every time you saw it. You would hear the same piece of music, but a, a little a larger version of it. Um, so it starts uh, on the bus uh, mm-hmm. in the first flashback, and then every time you have the flashback, you keep hearing it. And at the end of the battle scene. At it's okay. End of the battle. <laughs> at the end of the battle scene, uh, I think we went back to it again. So that that was, so we, you know, we'll have themes that come back in certain spots in the episode or even in the series throughout the series arc. Um, and then with that that battle scene, we talked about that a lot. Actually, how to structure that because there's a lot of slow motion and there's a lot of sort of pacing that we worked out uh, between the editor um, uh, Gabe uh, Fleming and myself. Um, uh, in terms of how we didn't want to just go full tilt action through the whole thing. I was going to say, like, when you're picking the music, do they give you the footage that they're going to use? Because obviously that was the slow motion part. Did you know it was going to be slow motion before, or did they, like, apply that later? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we. I'll, I'll usually see, uh, you, a lot of times, if there's any CG, if there's any computer effects or things, a lot of times that won't be in when I'm working on it. So sometimes if there's... Um, you know, a giant monster, they'll say, okay, it's going to come up here. So I just kind of have to work around that, but I won't actually see it. <laughs> wow. Um, but things like slow motion and stuff, that, that'll that always, that'll usually that, be in you know. there. Okay, yeah. I'm sure that helps. You're not like, action, high-paced music. Yeah. Oh, and there's the slow-mo. This doesn't match. Yeah, we yeah. have, like, we, we both have, like, spotting sessions. So we'll sit with the editor. Sometimes producers are in the room, mm-hmm. and we'll go through and kind of, like, I mean, for me, probably me more than you I read the script and break it down and I kind of have like what's in my mind like okay I think a great song here but then it's always like you have your ideas but then you want to sit with the editor and be like 
do you and, and see how it's shot because we're like oh there's not enough time for you mm-hmm. know it might be five seconds so you're like okay well we're not going to put a song there score or mm-hmm. normal so it's kind of like we kind of you know it's a collaborative process. Yeah. So when it when it makes sense to implement a song, you'll find a song. Yeah. And when it makes sense to have composition, you will compose for the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there are different rules. For yeah, each and of those. sometimes like maybe we'll do like it, sometimes we even switch. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like oh we picked a song, but maybe Jeff's like, well, I was kind of thinking score here, or yeah, or vice versa. Like a song won't clear, and you'll help me. Make yeah. something. So, or some. I mean, sometimes yeah. we just decide later that, like, even if I wrote something in a spot, you know, somebody might, Laura might have a great idea for a song, and then, you know, yeah, we we end up replacing it. So it, it obviously has a lot to do with like the feel and the tone of the scene that you guys have to pay attention to. It's yeah, just, music is such a big part of our lives, and it's awesome that you guys have chosen that career it's to a go fun into. Job. <laughs> yeah, but but it just like it evokes so much emotion. So. Really cool. It's such an interesting for me. Music is. I got into like listening to music more movies like as I got older in movie and of TV. And someone once said to me that like good music or good music composition, you will get so lost that the music and the acting become simultaneous, and you can't distinguish that there even is a score. Yeah, or that's when it's doing on. a good job. You know, like because you're it's all melding together. Yeah, you know? it's like mm-hmm. it's it becomes part of it. It's like it's not just a good song. It is part of the acting. It's all one. And yeah. I think that that really has come to terms in the show. And especially we've been talking a lot about, like, the buildup with the unknown and, like, the music that's being associated with the things we don't know, giving mm-hmm. us clues, giving us, like, something to predict off of, just off of a sound that we're mm-hmm. barely hearing. So, What I want to know is, going back to the fight scene, where was Peter during all of this? Like, he was there for the whole planning process, and then, like, when it came to battle... He wasn't there. He's never there. Did you notice that? He's <laughs> yeah. only yeah, he's there too weak, you know. He's a, he's a slippery one. He's also yeah. seems to be reverse aging. I just keep like, <laughs> <laughs> I like was watching it. And, and I, I guess like, that's a credit to Ian Bowen's skin. I don't I know. know. Like, I think he moisturizes. He's doing something. I like yeah. need to talk to him. Yeah, find out what I don't know. Well, he will like, be joining us, I believe, episode eight. So you can ask we will about his skincare regime. Maybe he can take us through the whole regime <laughs> step by step. Yeah, like, he just he seems to keep getting younger, and I'm like. Yeah. Wait, you're the uncle? You're like turning into like friend age. This is interesting. <laughs> Here's the facial hair. I don't know. Well, they returned to the scene, uh, Peter and Cord, to find out where the bodies went because they mysteriously disappeared in the scene. And then we get the reveal <laughs> that um, Mrs. Uh, Miss, Mr. Deaton, Dr. Deaton, and Miss Morell are actually brother and sister. Did you see that coming, or and is she evil? Because she like is she good? Is she evil? She asks him to help with Ennis, or they're going to kill Scott. <laughs> I mean, I personally didn't see them being brother and sister. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they were same group, same whatever they are. But I didn't realize they were that closely related. Mm-hmm. But once that happened, I personally don't think she's evil. I think it's one of those. She got in too deep and is grouped with the wrong, like the wrong friends. Right. But I don't think being that he's so lenient and that they do communicate, um, like they're all. I feel like they're always having conversations. Like they've mm-hmm. talked to each other at the clinic before. I believe they've talked to each other like at the school. Like they seem to be on good terms. So I don't think she's an evil person. I yeah. think that she's kind of just digging herself a hole. 
Now, Deaton was, like, very powerful towards the the other alpha female Kali because she kind of, like, lost her wolf capabilities, and he was like, you're not going to kill anybody here. And we find out that the building is also made of mountain ash, partially. So I don't know what that means. What's your interpretation of that? Is that, like, protection? Can they not turn in the building? I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, if memory serves me right, mountain ash was one of their weaknesses alongside uh, mistletoe and wolf spain. So um, I think that came up when they were, like, taking the bullet or, or taking something out of Derek or something along those lines a mm-hmm. couple seasons ago. Um, that was season one. Was that season? I remember that. that was, <laughs> yeah, I think the bullet. I, I don't think was that was... Mountain Ash? I think, no, I think it was Wolf's That was Wolfsbane. That was Wolfsbane. That was a Wolfsbane like bullet. Now, Mountain Ash, the end of season two. The end of season two. And at the rave. Because it mm-hmm. creates a barrier, so they can't cross. Oh, and, like, when I they're guess. in the vault... It's like yeah, kryptonite for werewolves. And, um, Erica and yeah, wow. so list of things that's bad. Yes. So maybe so they, they can't cross. So it's like he has it, you know, back where mm-hmm. he treats patients, werewolves, whatever, mm-hmm. and that's why they can't cross unless that he lets sense. them. Or, lets them in. I wonder sense? how this has like impacted Scott, like working there. <laughs> <laughs> Is he like getting weakened <laughs> by That's the mountain ash or strength? Oh, well, yeah, no, but he couldn't. Like, you couldn't just leave him a key. No. You know I mean, you couldn't, he couldn't just like open yeah, the place up in the point. morning. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. could you open up, Scott? No. Well, you're yeah. the you're the guy who had to build the whole thing without Nash, so you come open it up. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't think kind of difficult, you know. I just don't think it's an accident that Scott's working for Doctor Deaton, the one who has all the answers in this town. I don't know how that job came about, but how is it that Dr. Deaton's just suddenly, like, his mentor? I mean, <laughs> it's very interesting, especially because the fact that, I mean, Scott was was already an apprentice there, or intern or whatever he is, um, before he was bitten. So is this something that is he being... Can Dr. Deaton see into the future? Can Does he have a sense of these things? Does he know anything more about, like, fate or whatnot? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we'll... We have a lot more to learn from him and what he is or what he knows or how he knows what he knows. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was a rhyme of some sorts. But anyway, so as we predicted last week, Sarah and I thought Deucalion, since he killed his old pack, why isn't he going to kill the stronger pack that he's formed now so that he can take their powers? And we see him perform this weird ritual grandma kissing on Ennis right before he <laughs> right before he crushes his skull I like with that like you thought two that was, fingers. That, that was, that's grandmother grandma. I was thinking more like Godfather. like the godfather, yeah. yeah. But I like that you saw that as grandma. My grandmother was Italian. Oh. Okay. Oh, uh, so, yeah. So then he crushes his skull that with was pretty shocking. two fingers. With like yeah. three fingers, I Goodbye. guess. Yeah. And I guess we can assume takes his strength and his power with him. And what I want to know is, does Kali and Aiden know at this point, you know, how much do they know? We see them crawling outside. Uh, You know, Dr. Deaton had said that the prognosis, the odds were pretty good, but... (laughs) I definitely don't think they know. I mean, but I, they were crying outside, so do they think that he just naturally died? Or do are they starting to get the picture mm-hmm. that perhaps Deucalion is going to I come mean, after all of them? We did hear Deucalion say, like, 
I guess your prognosis wasn't correct or whatnot. And I think that was like a warning, like, (laughs) you're not saying anything. This is you being wrong. I didn't do this. Yeah. Like, that's what I got from that line. And honestly, I think that Alpha Pack's too, like, steroided up, basically, to, like, understand. (laughs) To come in and analyze the situation? I don't think so. I think I'd walk in there and be like, his head just didn't explode. Yeah. Like, what happened here? Who did this? I don't know. Maybe Wolf's explosion, head Team explosion. Wolf <laughs> Team Wolf. Yep, CSI. We had Peter and Chorus kind of doing the CSI work this uh, episode. But I want to talk about Scott's potential. Now, he happens to just run into Deucalion, who's neighbors with the Argents, we learned this season. And um, is this a coincidence? Um, because Deucalion mentions the neighbors are surprisingly nice. So is this a coincidence, do you think? Or do you think that Deucalion moved here on purpose? I mean, Deucalion's always about all of his vision. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm a visionary. Um, <laughs> so I think it's pretty obvious that he picked that building because of the Argents. I'm wondering where Grandpa Argent is at this point. That's a good he's, point. Like, is he living there, too? Because I feel like if he's living there, then they wouldn't be so friendly. Right. Um, but, so I think that that was a plan, and I definitely think that it was a, um, that DeCallum was okay with everyone knowing. Like, he wanted them to know where he is. Right. The, and I think it goes back to, one of them mentioned that it was, he has no fear of them. This is all part of his plan. This is what mm-hmm. he wants, and things are going the way he wants. He said he would have to be blind, deaf, and paralyzed for Scott to be a threat. But then, if that's the truth, then why is he here for Scott? You know, why is he so obsessed with Scott? I know that he wants Scott to kill an alpha in order to become one, and he was there to talk with Scott about his potential, but I really don't think that Scott's going to have to um, kill anyone to become an alpha. I kind of see it, you know, how his eyes, like, flashed red for a second in battle? I fi- kind of feel like uh, maybe you can become an alpha without killing someone, and, like, he was born with an inner alpha, and he's, like, the chosen one true alpha. What do you, you guys think, give Sarah? us any insight? <laughs> <laughs> can we get on the thing? Is there yeah. some bendable rules? How does one become an I, alpha? I, I, I feel, just have to see. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like it's a matter of him just accepting his role of an alpha and, and accepting who he is. And if that happens to be an alpha, well, then we have to accept our role as an alpha in this world. <laughs> okay, if you like if you become an alpha though, do you can you just become an alpha on your own or do you need a pack? Well, you were supposed to in order to kill. become an alpha kill, but he's obviously not going to do that because that's his like slogan, his hero like slogan is But it's going to happen. He, he'll find another he way. You do kind of want to see him go all Danny Trejo on somebody <laughs> at some point just <laughs> no. release his no, inner you like I'm him not, good. If someone's really he's bad, like, he's like the only superhero who won't kill. He'll like find a way around it and I like that. Like what other superhero do we have in superhero genre that okay. doesn't kill that, that will find another way? Ends bad. It's like when you put the villain in prison, you just know <laughs> that eventually he's getting out of prison, right. mm-hmm. like and and it, and in this show, I mean, you think people are dead and they're not. So <laughs> yeah. who knows if even going to work? That doesn't work in this show. Death isn't the end in this show. <laughs> What's Jeff Scott trying to say there? <laughs> Second lives, third lives. Keep it going. Um. So let's go ahead and jump into the bus scene. Now, you guys were talking about the music a little bit earlier for this. 
can, can you add to, you know, um, I, I can't remember if there was any specific songs or was this I during the bus scene. I want to know your guys' favorite sure. song in this episode. Did I get to know that now? Yeah, or? that's a good question. I really like that I think I think they're going to be a big talent is um, when Scott visits Allison in the in the, in her bedroom and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, don't back off. It's this but there's band. like chemistry. Oh, like yeah. Time. Yeah. And it's a little, you know, sultry. And so it's a band called London Grammar and London the song's Grammar. called Hey Now. And um, I know we're the first song. U.S. I don't know if we're the first people to license anywhere, but I know definitely the U.S., they're from the UK. I think they're going to blow up, and I'm excited that we got to kind of use them first. How so. did you find? How do you find these bands? I mean, all over. You know, you're listening mm-hmm. all the time. I get sent stuff, you know, inundated, and you try to weed through it. And um, you know, now that we're in the third season, there's kind of a sound, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like slightly dark, haunting. Always kind of works. So you know, I'll keep playlists. Kind of this is the creepy stuff. Sad, creepy stuff. Yeah, yeah. what are your playlist titles? Can you tell us? <laughs> like moody, moody love, because we've had a lot of moody love this season. Um, <laughs> make you know, hot makeout songs, because there's Ooh. been some of that. Can you I send also, me that playlist? <laughs> I know, right? There's a, um, which I, I do like as well. We use for Lydia's makeout scene. There's a band called Watch the Duck Girlfriend Ooh, that we used the, when they were the flashing duck. back. Yes. Which I really like that one too. So that was like, oh, okay, that's my hot makeout song, you know. And then there's fight <laughs> songs for fight moments, and then it, it just depends. Like, you know, it, it all depends what, but you'll just kind of listen, and I'll keep like just a regular Teen Wolf folder and kind of pull from there. And, you know, it's Do like. Do you have any bands that you find are constantly coming up that you always want to pull from? Um, I mean, we have used Mickey Echo in season one and two, and maybe something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so his stuff always works because it's haunting, but it's like good drum beats and stuff. Um, Can I ask about the music room scene from episode four? Yeah, that too. That oh, yes, that's that was Dino. like one yeah. of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah, you should talk about that because of the the chanting. With oh, the, you mean where Lydia the is Durant chanting? Yes, mm-hmm. but you're talking about where Lydia is. Uh, when we when we first get to her in the in the music room scene and she's kind of just found herself there. Ah yes, and we have like the phone on the piano. Ah yes, that yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I talk how you created that. Yeah, so the the that's the um, well that that chant um, that that you hear or that music uh, that you hear is something that you'll hear fragments of and. Uh, larger and smaller pieces of it throughout the season and that's something that we created at the beginning of the season and we had a uh, we did it over at um we recorded a choir over at uh, capitol and uh it was great uh we had uh it was um uh, tim davis who does the uh contracts uh, puts together all the vocals for uh glee and a lot of american idol and a lot of stuff uh around town he helped us put together the choir for that and uh <clears throat> And uh, so there, um, there's a lot of clues as to the story arc in the in the lyrics of the chant, uh, and which are the, in Gaelic. The chant chant is or in Gaelic. Gaelic. Actually, and the choir is chanting in Latin behind them. Oh, I thought they were in Gaelic. It no. is in Gaelic. the 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 chant is in Gaelic, and then there's a choir singing in Latin. Oh. So, so guys, the sung you, stuff I didn't know is you Latin. Yeah. If you want more info, 
You better know Gaelic and Latin. Put it together. Study. Actually, I don't think there is a Google Translate for Gaelic because I remember when we were putting it together. We had to actually find a Gaelic speaker to translate. I know Gaelic speaker. We're good. Really? We're going to discover this? I was trying to help because I know some folks in Ireland. So you're like, okay. But it didn't because I was like, well, maybe something exists that, you know, might like, but then Jeff wanted it. As another layer, Jeff wanted it to say something specific, so yeah. he hired the. Yeah, but it was really cool. I went and visited. Yep. I've, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I've got a source. We're gonna we're gonna. Fix. Okay. How long <laughs> How long did that take? Challenge accepted. Um, I think we did that in a. It was about a week, top to bottom. I think. And the recording was like. No, well, the recording was like a. I mean, I don't know. We did. There's like three hours, but then we. I think from the time, there was like a week and a half from the time they told me I was in. Um, I was actually in South Africa uh, for my wedding, and congratulations! Yeah, congrats. thank you. And in South Africa, wow, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, His wife is South African. Yes, so. you just keep getting cooler. Yeah, I, she's a big part of any coolness that I have. Aww. Uh, good answer. You got a lot of points on that one. She's like, that's right. You might have to send him that makeup playlist. <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah, do right? you like I actually I don't know if you I've never asked you this but do you yeah. like when you have to do like a like if you have people over to your house do you obsess over the playlist? Yeah. Cuz I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I really well, do. when I go but when I go to other people's I have to it's like you know it'll I feel it inside but I get like can't say like what are you playing? Why? <laughs> but you know and like I, I know what I'd play but I have to like unprogram it but at my own house yeah like mm-hmm. I'll have, I'm having people over for the fourth and I'm already like that would be a good pool song that one would be good you know <laughs> the soundtrack is playing yeah I'm like I need some Team America you know <laughs> uh, see I really wish that there was a Laura Webb Pandora station right yeah be, I, I guess I could go uh, Teen Wolf yeah I mean a lot of the wolf. it's always wolf. <laughs> we're gonna practice this I'm practicing okay I guys. should get into this right now. I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Called my mom today, asked her how, how you say the animal wolf, and she said wolf. And I said, now what sound does a wolf make? And she <laughs> said wolf. So that is why I do not pronounce teen wolf pronou- uh, correctly. And uh, thanks, mom. <laughs> Because now that's why I like get beat up on Twitter and YouTube because Aww. I say well, there's a lot of people. You're there's not the lot. only one. Okay, yeah, Thanks, guys. I, I, I never really thought about it until working on the show, but then mm-hmm. whenever people say it, you're like, wait, hang on, what? Okay, I, I, I saw sometimes just call it Teen Wolf as a just. Because it feels good to say it. It that does way. feel good that way, like wolf, like lots of energy. But Why wolf, not? I have to like, I have to get deep for. I have to go right. wolf. That's because yeah. you have to wolf, think about like, it. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough about <laughs> wolfing. Um, I'm going to practice. Sorry, guys. Uh, but talking about Twitter and AfterBuzz, don't forget you guys can support AfterBuzz by going to iTunes or YouTube, downloading, rate, comment on our show. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can call our fan line at 424-256-1729. You can join the live chat at AfterBuzzTV.com. And I want to read some of our comments that iTunes and YouTube listeners left last week. Um, Baru Raven says, Jessica and Alyssa are so nice and funny. It was awesome to meet them. And they, Shorty22 actually quoted Alyssa and said, I don't think it's her job to answer her crush. 
talking about uh, Lydia answering Styles' crush, and he said, yes, every nice guy out there who claims to be a victim of friend zoning needs to understand this. Oh, right. It's that it's not Lydia's job to, like, right. any girl, it's not your job to answer someone's crush, so... Right. Thank you for Alyssa and Shorty re-quoting you. Um, Maven <laughs> Cree says, the next guess you have for this, ask them how the twins merge their pants. Wouldn't it just... Be- <laughs> Something I haven't thought about. <laughs> they said, wouldn't it just be easier if they took them off? I'm pretty sure no one would mind. So can well, you we guys- are a PG-rated show, so that's probably why we can't. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point. How do they merge their how pants? How do they merge their pants? Magic. Maven Cree oh. wants to know, and he know. wanted me to I'll ask, ask you guys. Wow, well, I don't. I feel like we have to ask Jeff, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with they only use pants one merging. twin's pants. So it's so really where, yeah. So, but when they unmerge, they do wear the yeah. other pants. Spectacular pair of pants. Yeah, <laughs> it's special pants. You know? Yeah, they're like the magic mic kind. That kind of like you know, I don't know. Uh, it's like the incredible other version, not. but like you know, like, <laughs> like in the clothes, like adapts. <laughs> yeah, it all adapts and merges together. I yeah Magic. yeah but good question maybe yeah, thank you and thank you guys for about. helping us think about that question that's good now well, I'm gonna be thinking about that a lot <laughs> the merging Every of pants gonna bother me yeah. how do you merge pants I know um, more Aaron says thanks for reading my comment and you're welcome Aaron and everyone re- send us the comments emails and we'll read them. And we want to thank Happy Puppy, Nerdy Success, James Taylor, <laughs> Peter, uh, Wolfswin, Ash, and Haywood, Bloom, Mr. Awax. I don't know what that means. And David. Was I don't know what that means. That is a screen that, name. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you didn't know what Awolf meant. No, <laughs> I got I'm that. Go with Alpha Wolf yeah, or probably. something. Maybe. And our so we got an email from Ashy Kays, and she was wondering what you thought about the scene where it looked like Scott was mad about Aiden trying to go to Lydia's house to study. I feel like something could be happening between them. I really hope it does soon. Well, we got that it happened in this episode, but now how does Scott feel about it? He's obviously not going to be happy. I mean, when I first saw, like, Scott kind of reacting to Lydia, the emotion I was reading off of it was that he kind of had a crush on her, and I was like, mm. hmm, that's weird. But mm. this time, like, looking back, I'm thinking, well, maybe he just wants to... He already tried to protect her from danger. Right. Now she's going right into another dangerous situation that she doesn't need to be in. So I'm thinking maybe it's just, like, a friend thing and him trying to be a protector of the world and being like... Please, stay in your room and be safe. <laughs> Not with Aiden, in your room with you. Because we don't know what's his pants. <laughs> I don't know. What's up with those pants, Yeah, man? Yeah. Until we figure that out, don't hang out with him. Yeah. Um, okay, well, getting back to the bus scene. Okay, now, now Boyd and Isaac, they're like ticking time bombs, wanting revenge on the bus because they don't know if Derek's alive or dead. We don't know. And um, Scott decides not to stop them, but lead them with the advice that Dr. Deaton gives. And I feel like that's one step closer for him becoming the true alpha that's just naturally in him and accepting who he is. And uh, we got that awesome text battle between Styles oh, okay. and Danny and and everyone has experienced this and that's why it's so funny cuz you get that friend who just won't stop texting you until you finally respond so that was really funny they really accomplished the awkwardness in this scene i felt like that was really mm-hmm. reached where you're just like yep okay <laughs> that's why my phone's, phone's going off always like, on silent i don't know what to do no but um i thought it was really funny and then like good 
bit of comic relief, and it felt like real awkwardness to me. So mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Um, it made me want to hit Styles in the face a little bit. Just, and I love him, but I was like, yeah. Styles, come on. <laughs> Styles apparently has a smile that'll make you puke. <laughs> Did you just love that smile? It was like the craziest, funniest smile. Yep, only Styles. Styles will go to any. Obviously, the testament of this best was Style will go to Styles will go to any lengths to achieve his goals. <laughs> he will just keep pushing those buttons. But um, we love him. I like how whenever Scott's finally healed, which we'll talk about the sewing, the sewing scene in a bit, but when he is healed and he comes back and he sees Isaac actually beating on um, Ethan, do you think that Isaac was beating on him because he's still upset about not knowing if Derek is alive, or do you think that he was getting revenge because Scott's Scott might not be healing? Was that his love for Scott or his love for Derek creeping in there? I think it was, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that when you're so angry that you're forced to fight someone it's not always just one reason I think that it's all these things that are going on plus like he got his ass whooped the other day too there has to be some <laughs> there has to be some anger on his own mm-hmm. well, don't his forget own Isaac is the guy whose dad used to lice, lock him in a freezer so he's, right. he's got some rage issues some pent up definitely. yeah and we, we always talk about poor Isaac because he always he is so tortured more than anybody else but Derek yeah. <laughs> we, we, we kind of expect him to just take it because he's like the leader, you know. He he kind of did this to all of them by biting them all, so he can get a right, little right. bit more tortured. True. Plus, he does. He's, he's getting pretty protected. beat up, you know. Yes, but he always just, I, he always feels very put upon to me. <laughs> you know, like he's just kind of carrying all of this. Yeah, Isaac is to me always feels more tortured. <laughs> all right, all right. That's a good point. I would agree with you. I'm I'm on that same wavelength. But um, Allison's telling Scott that all this isn't his fault. But I'm going to say that if he doesn't own up to his abilities, that future events can be blamed on Scott. I think if he doesn't start owning up to his abilities, which he did this episode, so hopefully he continues to own his inner alpha. What do you think? Do you think that? Do you guys all think that if it was kind of his fault though? Because I was a little confused why he started fighting again after the arrows were shot. Like, mm-hmm. they kind of showed, like, they had almost a little bit of a break where maybe they could have run away, and it was Scott who took that first initial punch after the distraction. It's a good point. Like, is that, like, and he rehashing was, the battle? Mm-hmm. Kind of his fault. And he did take that last, like, claw at Ennis, which knocked him off his balance and also took it's Derek right. with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Blame? Percentage? Anything? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, like I said, if he doesn't own up to who, the leader he's supposed to be, like, whenever he right. called out to Isaac, Isaac was, like, in the zone of, like, fury, and, and he was just raging in that moment. But it was like Scott's voice was calming to him and was, like, the only thing that, that stopped him at that point. So if Scott continues to lead them then I think that they'll all be okay and we won't be blaming Scott for future events. But who do you think the Dark Druid is? Um, Styles and Lydia are brainstorming mm-hmm. about the sacrifices and predicting that it's a pre-war ritual, which I hope to see the demon with, like, ten heads in action. The <laughs> demon wolf? Like, I want him to have, like, ten heads. I'm still so excited <laughs> for that shift. I'm, like, I've been waiting 
for the demon wolf to appear in like full <laughs> demon wolf form. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And I think that I'm starting to get the feeling that's not going to happen until we meet the this evil druid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that maybe we're just going to get this all in one. Well, if, this is, if we have to wait all the way to the season finale, though, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, Hopefully get it by episode 12, because I know there's a break coming up. But um, So then we find out Derek is alive and in Miss Blake's care which we will assume for now is a good thing. And I just want to talk about, uh, before we get into the interviews with you guys, I want to talk about Allison's heroism for a moment. Uh, she's kind of like the warrior now and the protector of the realm that is Beacon Hills. <laughs> yeah, and um, I liked her journey. You know, she was a regular like high school girl when we met her, and then she had a lot of traumatic events that helped us understand this cause of change in her. Which is now, you know, contributes to her badassery. <laughs> but, but bad things make yeah. you a badass. Sure. <laughs> Equation. <laughs> Mathematics. Simple. Um, I agree. I think she has been on this journey for a little bit when she was kind of going through her, like, depressing, like, I don't want to own up to the fact that I'm going to help them. Like, when she was kind of, mm-hmm. I felt like she was kind of hiding in the shadows. Um, I was a little disappointed in that. Like, I understood she wanted to do her own thing. But I thought that she could still go out on the limb, and if she's going to act as their friend, then just be upfront about it. Um, so I like that it was brought forth what she's doing, and how there was that moment of recognition as she's standing, firing arrows again to save them, again. Mm-hmm. And they do get that moment of eye contact. And but we also found out that the eye contact she got was she saw Scott flash to like being an alpha, and I think that's part of the reasoning why she says that. Now she's not going to keep her eyes off of him. Yeah. And is that, I'm wondering if that's out of fear as well as compassion, because obviously she did a lot for him today, or in the episode. Um, Which I, happened today. Yeah, but I also don't <laughs> All these think events. that he's completely healed. I yeah. think that was just like. Well, it's nice that we got that whole band aid mental. That it's a mental thing for him. I think that will definitely resurface in the future. But can we? Can you talk about you know the superhero music that you've composed for Allison? Because especially during that battle soon scene, it was like we were supposed to know that like she is the one saving the day. So yeah, that, that was yeah, that was very deliberate. We talked mm-hmm. about that. We wanted that to. We wanted her to come in with a cape on and <laughs> save everybody. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, um, well, I mean, you see that shot when we come in and see Alice, and it's very dramatic. We're looking up at her with her arrows, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there. I mean, there's certain kind of sort of there are certain things you go to, certain instruments, uh, uh, and certain uh, sort of musical cues that you go to when you kind of want to indicate heroism generally but it's what always are what are those elements yeah. uh, <laughs> you want to know I want hero music so I need to know what I need what uh, you're going to need a French horn okay okay uh, I, can, I can find one of those uh, you are going to, I mean generally it, it kind of there's there's a whole there's actually there's a lot of, there's a whole field of study about the sort of the uh, the 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 elements of music. Uh, it's actually the stu- it's actually the study of. I'm trying to think of what dance music. Or, no, or? I was actually going to say it's the it's the study of uh, how music affects the brain. Oh, oh. Uh, and I, I forget what the the actual name of the field is, but there's uh, from there's actually texts relating back to you know Greek musicians that 
you know, in the, the dawn of history where... Druid music. Uh, not... You know what? Actually, now this is really interesting. Druids kept no written records, and actually when we... Wait, don't they say that in the... Mm-hmm. Did they, they say I think that? they say, don't they, they bring that up? Yeah, yeah. they were not big, like, podcasters or bloggers. <laughs> uh, Shame on tweeters. them. And not tweeting. Um. Not tweeting at all. They, they're like Facebook lurkers, maybe. Oh, man. Hate that. But they, when we actually researched, tried to research the Druid music, we actually talked to uh, a couple of people at UCLA, and they all told us the same thing. Uh, a couple of the professors there they uh, in the ethnomusicology department, they said, well, you can kind of do whatever you want because nobody really knows what they did. Like we can kind of guess. So you There's can a say few written you're 100% records. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, that was incredibly authentic like, druid music. That was yeah. a recreation yeah. of what they did. That was in. That could have been a top ten druid hit. Easy. No problem. Yeah. So, but okay, I learned. One, that we have actual Druid music because no one actually knows Druid music. <laughs> yeah. And two, I need to invest in a French horn. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I can do that. Sure. Hero soundtrack. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to go ahead and roll right into the interview with Lara and Dino. So I'm always interested in how aspects of our childhood lead us into certain specific careers. So what do you guys attribute <coughs> from your childhood sort of steering you in the direction of music? Um. I feel like this is like I feel like I should be on a couch. Um, we have traumatic. <laughs> you can lay down and talk events. to us if you want to. Um, I think when I was a kid, um, I used to I used to really um, I used to really react strongly uh, to music. And um, my mom told me that what, this is I, I probably shouldn't be saying this. But my, my mom told me that every time. The, when I was a really little kid, the HBO, the theme song used to come on, the old, yeah. like, oh, yeah. where they do the fly-through on the HBO thing, oh, yeah. that I would dance <laughs> as a kid. I would just... Do, do you I remember dance the dance by yeah. chance? I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't. I, 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 no. it, was a, it was actually uh, an, an authentic druid dance that oh, I used to do. Oh. Yeah. I would like to see that. Why not? Um, uh, but uh, but uh, I, when I was a kid, I got involved in music, and I played in bands, and, and uh, I think I was always kind of really fascinated with the um, sort of the power that music has to contextualize something. If you put a different piece of music under something, uh, just even under somebody speaking or reading something, it completely changes the meaning of it. Um, And I think I've always enjoyed that that interplay between, you know, uh, contextualizing things. So that was, uh, um, I've I've always kind of had an interest in doing that, and it was really, uh, it was about in two, when did I meet you? In 2007? Uh, is that when we worked on? We, we, we worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Eight, yeah. 2008, 2007. 2008, yeah. You guys could like really mess with someone, but like we should just one day put really happy music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do that as jokes sometimes. <laughs> we'll attempt funny things in and be like, I mean, you, have, you know, have to make sure they have a sense of humor, but you might put like, well, Russell, who's one of our directors and co-EP, or he is an executive producer on the show, he is a legendary music video director. Like, he's Mm. directed all the iconic ones of the 80s, including Queen. And I think it was, like, season one, like, as a joke, we put in, like, you know... Champion, or we were rocking, or something. <laughs> no, no, and he walked in, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we, you know, you're you like, do sometimes. It's uplifting, it's like and nerd humor, it. but you know, we're like, "Ha," huh? you know. <laughs> no, I like it. I will. I think I'm one day I might just play with Teen Wolf and be like, "Okay," and if I put 
really cheering Muzi under this point. Don't let her <laughs> in the composing studio. <laughs> She's gonna mess up the show. You, you know what? If you saw if you saw what goes on in a composing studio, you wouldn't want to be in it. Can you tell us what goes on? In it's it's people staring at computer screens and swearing most of the time. And you don't sleep. He doesn't. I don't think you ever sleep. Or at least when we're yeah, when right? we're working, no, nobody sleeps a lot. Yeah, they said we wouldn't be able to get you out of the cave to come in here. I, I live very close. Actually, my dog almost... I, I come here sometimes. My dog actually almost got eaten at this at the dog park just down the street here. Oh, no. Because but of the wolves. Because yeah. of the wolves, yes. She is not a teen wolf. She's a little cream puff. <laughs> oh. So, she oh, so well, what oh, from yeah, your childhood has contributed well, yeah, to yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's... Well, it's kind of both. Like, I've always loved film, and I always remember... You know, I memorize films and, like, would watch them ad nauseum, like Top Gun. I can probably recite every line. <laughs> and I love, like, you know, and also, I think when I, we went to, when the movie opened, I got Danger Zone on, like, a 45, <laughs> and I put it on every morning that I wore it out. But that song was just so awesome, you know? <laughs> or I thought so. I think it is. Actually, I still think I'm it's I'm just really imagining awesome. you amping yourself up yeah, in school exactly. every morning. It's, it's actually zone. really good. And I found it, because I went through, like, my parents' old stuff, and I was really sad it didn't work. But I kind of, like, kind of need to do that that's again. how you wake up. You just have to. Yeah, your yeah. But was so, it Danger Zone? Oh yeah. Okay. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. But I need to. I, I need don't. to play Do you it. Want to sing it? Uh, yeah, Stephen, no. can we get some Danger Zone? <laughs> I know. It's an awesome song. So I just think like the two together were always like all my favorite movies were always ones that use music so prominently. Mm-hmm. And then I was always making mixtapes for friends, and people were always requesting it. And I was always going to shows, and always kind of like it was a hobby. But then, and it was sort of, I didn't realize that you could marry the two and it was a job. And as soon as I found out it was a job, I was like, get me into this now. Like I researched and it was at a time where it's not now, you know, in the past seven years, probably it's become more, people are more aware that it is a profession. But I started about 10 years ago and I had to like kind of figure out like, who does it? How do you do it? You know? And then once I was unrelentless and like, or, Relentless, anyway, in finding out like everything I could about it, and then I ended up um, being an assistant for an established music supervisor who did a bunch of films. Who di- she was bought Baz Luhrmann and Danny Boyles, who are like two of my favorite wow. directors who use music so well. So when I, I think I like just probably geeked out in the interview, like, oh my god, you've done all the soundtracks I've ever bought, you know. <laughs> and it was just like the best day, like the first day on the job, I was like, this is the best job ever, so. Did you know them, or like, how did you get the... How did I, well, I had started, my first job in the entertainment industry was, I actually was an agent trainee, because mm-hmm. everyone says, you know, that's, and I had done like, um, internships and stuff, and, and it, different facets of the industry, and I thought, maybe I'll be an agent, because it's kind of like a good master's program, is what a lot of people say. So, you know, you're meeting everybody and seeing what different jobs are. So I had built up, and I'd done that for several years and was tortured and, you know, (laughs) cried a lot. People scream at you because you're coffee, you know, whatever. (laughs) So I... um, I had worked for one woman for a long time, and she's like, do you want to do this? And I was kind of like, well, I don't. You know. <laughs> and she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I've been researching this music supervision thing. And, and she's like, okay. And I said, well, and I saw that there's an opening for one, and she actually ended up knowing um, the woman I went to go work for with her name is Laura Wasserman. Wow. And um, my old, the old, my other boss in the agency world was like, actually, I know her. Let's make a call, which helped. You know, I still mm-hmm. had to, like, interview and you know, all make, I had to make a mixtape for my interview. That is awesome. So hopefully that led to it. I'm going to hope. I don't know. 
And then, you know, so I worked with her for several years and she retired and then I'm kind of been building up my my credits and my resume so i kind of want to buy your mixtapes like <laughs> i'm not kidding but because I like, it's I do hard it for, like, to find the mixes. love you know like it's, but and it's like personal and you know like for each person laura's <laughs> a really big music fan yeah which is it's hard to keep that when you when you do this for a living and you, you listen to as much music as laura does but she's like a you're a really big fan yeah well and it's just it's fun because it's like this awesome band and then I have a platform for people to listen to and hear like I think this is cool you know so it's kind of an awesome job I feel like everyone has a super sense and I feel like you guys might be hearing you know because I feel like chefs may be tasting you guys got the ears the golden ears yeah I guess I want to okay I love listening to soundtracks actually so I want to know like top five soundtracks or like top directors that I need to like put in my playlist oh and your now, do you mean soundtracks like you mean like Film, scores, or do you mean like soundtracks like with? Okay, I think you Rock should go brain. first. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Well, I know, but like how I even train spotting for me is like why I even mm. do what I do. Like mm-hmm. that was just head to toe tops, just amazing. Train spotting, yeah. Okay, and it still holds up. I mean, it's still like one of my favorite movies. And I just think the way he put it, like Danny and and actually my old boss Laura um, put it on me. It just it just worked awesome. So, um, I really liked Moulin Rouge because mm-hmm. it's it's or it's just the fantastic and it's amazing. Um, Almost Famous is really great. I mean, some of my favorite movies. I right know. Yeah. Um, let's see. I have a couple others. I really liked Great Expectations. Um, I really liked 500 Days of Summer, by oh, the way. thanks. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I can't say that one. <laughs> okay, we can. We'll yeah, say it okay. for you. Yeah. And then, I don't summer, know. Right? Let's see. Um, I really liked recently when I went, I don't know if it's favorite, but just like recent, um, Danny Boyle did a new movie called Trance, and James McAvoy was I in it. That, yeah. And it's Rick Smith from Underworld, Underworld, who did that iconic song in Train Spotting called Born Slippy. So, um, and I really like. It's mostly score. There's a couple of songs, but um, that one sort of impressed me recently. Like oh. where I was like watching and going, like, yeah, I like this. So, I'm Thanks. sure there's others. I just can't think right now. No, <laughs> like, I have my you. like classics. No, thank you. And, I love to find new stuff. So, yeah. and, well, those are old, but whatever. Something <laughs> that's new to me. Those so. are good ones. Yeah. Yeah. How do you even become a composer? That's what I like. I, I read your bio and everything, and I'm just like, I still can't imagine. Yeah, my, my bio's not. That's not a good way to do it at all. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> like, if someone wants to com- become a composer, I would not recommend going on tour with rock bands. It's not. Although, but a lot do now. Well, yeah, there's a actually, lot that yeah, actually. Now there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different ways. A lot of people go to music school, and uh, there's. A, I went to USC. Um, Me too. Right Me too. Hey, all hey. right. <laughs> I went to Ithaca. <laughs> it's okay. At least I wasn't a rival. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, a lot of people go to music school, and then um, they'll go through. USC has a great film scoring program, and then a lot of times, what most people will do is they'll. Uh, work as an assistant for an established composer, uh, and then you know eventually they'll maybe do some additional music. You know the composer gets really busy and they need some extra cues or whatever, and they'll so you start building up your resume that way. That wasn't how I did it. I was um, <laughs> I didn't actually really know that I wanted to do this until much later uh, in life. Um, so I had been 
uh, I went to music school and I um, I was playing in R&B bands and I was playing in rock bands and uh, um, what happened was is I was home for a period of time and uh, a, a friend of mine had had was starting a music library uh, where you have sort of pre-licensed music and it you know you use it on mostly reality shows game shows that kind of thing and and so um, that was the first uh, scoring to picture that I had done and then I started doing advertisements and things and um, I met some people uh, through that at MTV and that was how I ended up working on taking the stage that was how I met Laura and then when Teen Wolf came up um, then we talked about it and uh, eventually um, uh, I sent in a reel of things I'd done and uh, I ended up talking to well I talked to you about it and then I ended up talking to Jeff Davis uh, the executive producer. I'm not That's sure if awesome. in general you have like a way that you like to compose, but does normally the music come to you as like a whole, or do you start with like a baseline or a single instrument and build off of that? Like, how do you normally like envision like what you're going to write? Um, that's a really good question. Um, it, it sort of depends on the scene. Uh, for me, uh, if it's um, if it, it depends if it's something that's uh, like if it's a big action scene. Um, a lot of times it's going to be very percussion-based. And so um, percussion is really important to me, so that's one of the things that I'll, I'll focus on. Actually, even if I haven't written any uh, melodic parts of it, I'll sometimes just do all the percussion first. Um, build around it. Or- yeah, I try to create a structure so that I know that I'm hitting all the points that I want to hit in action or in comedy um, where you uh, sort of start and stop and where you put the hits in is very important because you're emphasizing a lot of things. If you're usually under dialogue, it's you know you, it's just sort of sitting in a bed underneath it so you can listen to people talking. But when there's action or when there's horror um, or when there's comedy, you know those three things are very um, they can be very dense. So um, with action, I'll you know usually lay out a, sort of a a structure with percussion first and then sort of filling around it um, with um, with something that's more romantic or melodic. Um, I'll usually start with uh, on a piano and, and, and kind of work a melody into it and then sort of develop that melody. That's crazy. That's just so amazing to me. Like, mm-hmm. I've always just found it fascinating, like, how people make music. I'm just like, I, I played... The flute. It was a single note instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I played like, the drums. Yeah, and I was, like, nice. I was just like, how people put it all in their heads, all these different sounds, and can imagine it is fascinating and wonderful. And it's just really good job, That's guys. Cool. So much talent. I, mean, I don't create any. Like, uh, so I'm. But you have same the ears thing. for it. Yeah, I just that? listen. I'm, but I'm the critical. Like, change that. <laughs> <laughs> so I. So they hate me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people working under you guys, and especially under you, Dino, and I just envision you as, like, a maestro, like, telling all these different, like, assistants at computers, like, cue the trumpets, cue the <laughs> like, do you have it, a lot of people underneath you, like, uh, assistants I, I have a few, helping you with uh, that? And, and sometimes there, there's, uh, I have an assistant that works with me a lot, and then there's mm-hmm. other people that we bring in, uh, depending on how busy we are, you know, if, if something's really, you know, if we're really jammed up schedule-wise. Um, yeah, I tr- uh, we don't actually. I don't usually end up conducting them at their computer screens. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't it's, happen. It's a lot though. more. That yeah. would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why not. That's what I envision. 
All right, like guys. That. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to go ahead and roll into predictions. Uh, that was awesome info and behind the scenes information that our fans are just so happy to get every week. And they were begging for you guys to come in because they really enjoyed the composition soundtrack. So thank you again for being here. Great. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, so talking about the predictions, um, it looks like next week there's a creepy motel to look forward to and Mrs. Blake and Derek's first date. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Blake. All I'm predicting is horror music, so maybe I'm not, who knows, but um, because I saw a motel. You had a lot of music in there. I I saw saw a motel, a chainsaw, and like a fridge fridge slash coffin thing. And I was like, so I'm going to be officially creeped out. Great. Nightmares next week. That's what I'm predicting. It looks like Boyd's going to be, the exorcism of Boyd will happen as he's rising from the tub. That's what I saw. Um, and Isaac... I thought he was getting trapped. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> Dude, did you yeah. think he was getting up? I thought, I thought he was, he was getting shut up. down. I don't know. I thought they were, like, ex- he was, like, all crazy-eyed. Oh, in the bathtub. In the bathtub. Gotcha. That looked like Isaac in the coffin that was about yes. the chainsaw coming down. Or the, whatever, like... Not the, the twins. It looked like they were gonna like split like a magic trick. I gotta start watching the next ons. Kind of like their really pants. Good. Kind of yeah. like their pants. <laughs> yeah, splitting the pants. But the cop. I don't know. I'll never look at those pants again. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna be like, there's an endorsement deal in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I want to know who's the end battle. Like, is Deucalion separate from the Druid? What do you think? Is is the Druid the real villain this season? I mean, I think that's going to be such a fun question to see the show answer because that's what I've been wondering. It's like we have all these huge forces, and I'm like, I can't really picture Scott at this point being an ally of either of them. So it's going to be like this three-section battle. That never works. Someone always becomes an ally because they always kind of figure out that someone's going to switch sides. Yeah. It's like. Is that going to happen? Or maybe is Scott finally going to get his way and be like, I'm not killing anyone. You guys fight. I think he'll fight. I don't think he'll kill. He can orchestrate. Like Dino. (laughs) (laughs) You, the alphas. That sounds much more sinister than Scott, I think. (laughs) Don't just stand in the corner. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining this week. A few quick shout-outs to our Twitter followers, Simone and N. Williams and Stephen B. I'll read your comments next week. And Adrian, thank you guys so much. You can follow me at Cinematic Escape on Twitter, or you can check out my blog, just Bing Cinematic Escape. And you can find me here on Sundays for True Blood and on Tuesdays for Teen Wolf. So, and where can we find you guys? Um, on Twitter, I'm Lala Web with two Bs. Uh, and I'm DM underscore LA. And do you guys have any websites you want them to check out? Any blogs? Any mixtapes we can buy? I know. <laughs> Composing we can buy. Do you guys, like, you guys got to make on one ultimate yeah, we're, we're CG trying. together. We're working on it. Is that I like know. a future project, you guys? No, yeah. I mean, it's something we've been talking about with the network. So mm-hmm. hopefully something Great. comes to fruition. Awesome. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Here we go. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. 
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.